Thank you. So the topic I was given to share today is a topic we are calling the, the mind battle. And the, the mind is a battlefield or a battleground. And today I want us to see what is it that you can be able to do to win the battle that happens in our minds. And especially as we continue with our day to day living. I don't know who is courageous enough to give me the greatest commandment. Which is the greatest commandment? Love, eh? Somebody can uh, sit the whole of it to the relax. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Amen. Thank you. Eh? And who come for yourself? I can see you are really acquainted with the scriptures. That is the greatest commandment, loving God with our all. And you can find it in the book of Luke chapter 10, verse 27. So there are four components there, the whole of your heart, the whole of your soul, the whole of your mind, and the whole of your strength. Uh, of course, what is the heart? The heart is the center of our being. All that we are as individuals is defined by the things we like, our attitudes, and our preferences. That is the heart. Everything that defines you as a person, that is our heart. We are supposed to love God with all of our heart. What about the soul? That is the center of our emotions. Our moods, whether you feel it or not. Our feelings and our emotions. The emotions that govern our being, that is the, what we call our soul. And the scripture admonishes us to love God with our soul. Then there is a mind, that is what we are going to be focusing on today. The mind is our intellectual capacity, as defined by the thoughts that we entertain, what innovations we are able to make, the things we allow to enter our minds, that is the books we read, the movies we watch, the imaginations that we entertain. Of course, it also involves the educational capacity. What are you capable of being? If you are going to be the best mathematician, yes, then love God with the whole of your mind. That is why we celebrate. And when you finish high school, you go to the university, and then you even go beyond. Because it is God's idea that whatever our mind are capable of doing, we shall love God with the whole of our mind. So every time when you are graduating and when you have done something else, let me tell you that it is not secular. As many of us would want to believe, let me tell you that it is part of us loving God. We are showing God what star we are made of. Let me tell you that one day we shall stand before God and we ask you, what did you do with your mind? Are you able to do that course that you always wanted to do? Are you able to do that innovation that you always wanted to do? The intellectual capacity is part of what we are supposed to love. God with, yes, now there is the strength, which is our physical ability, as demonstrated by the work we do, the sports we engage in. What can the energy we have as young people do in honoring and in serving God? Having said that, let me say that our mind is a battlefield. Why do I say this? It is a battlefield because everything that we are and we shall ever be starts from.
from our minds. There is a word that we call temptation. I can assure you that word starts from your mind. There is a word we call inspiration. I can assure you that starts from your mind. So the mind is a battlefield. And depending with what we allow, either God can use our mind or the enemy can use our mind. God can use our mind when we allow God to deposit his word in us and then we obey. You are just about to do something and then the word of God comes to you. Honor your father and your mother. It's okay. As much as I don't feel like doing it, let me do it because the word of God says that. Let me tell you, at that particular time you allow the word of God to take control of your mind. You don't rely on your feelings. You don't rely on how you feel at the moment. But because your parents have told you to do it, you want to do it so that you can honor God with, uh, you can honor your father and your mother. That is one way that we allow God to use our mind. We also allow the enemy to use our mind. Satan deposits, and I think this is very important. There are some thoughts that you get and you wonder, where did that come from? Sometimes, the devil deposits some thoughts in us. And the temptation we have is to think, the thoughts are my thoughts. The, the enemy will try to use our thoughts to cause us to disobey God or to do things that are contrary to the will of God. And that happens when we do something willfully, knowing that it is against the will of God. It also happens in situations where you don't have precedence. That is what I mean. People ask me, why is it written that it's wrong to smoke in the Bible? You want to do something and you will feel the Holy Spirit who God has given us to lead us into all the truth, telling you that what you are doing is not right. But because there is no precedent, your mind convinces you. You, you think it's your mind. It is the enemy convicting you to disobey God. So depending on what we allow, either God or the devil can use our mind. And that is why we are saying the mind is a battlefield. All temptations come to us through thoughts that are planted in our minds by the enemy. If you read in the book of James chapter 1, 13, and 15, 13 up to 15, let me just read 13 and 15. This is what it says. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Of course, uh, there is chapter 14. God is, uh, you know, it is said that uh, when we are enticed in our minds, in our thoughts, or our desires, and we do something that is sinful, then when desire conceives, it gives birth to death. It gives birth to sin, and then sin gives birth to death. That is what the Bible says. It is those minds that are implanted in you by the enemy. You might think that they are your thoughts because they are in you, but that is temptation. Every temptation starts from your mind. You always like Adam and Eve, very innocent, standing in the garden of Eden. The only one you know is what God told you. You can eat from any other tree, but of the tree of good and eh, of knowing good and wrong. And the tree of life, don't touch. Then there is this snake that comes. Did God clearly see those doubts? 
You think that it's your own, you think that they are coming from you, but actually the devil is planting dogs in you. And then what happens? You look at him, you see that, you look at the fruit, ah, it looks nice. Actually the Bible says, and you see that it is attractive for good. Then what happens? After you see, you get it, and you eat it. You disobey. If only you start with the original word. And so the tree in the middle of the garden, don't touch. It is all a question of what thoughts do you entertain. But many times we allow the enemy to infiltrate our mind. We think that it, it is us. But it is actually the devil using our thoughts and our minds. Another good example is Simon Peter. Do we know Simon Peter in the Bible? Uh, many of us know him as the Kiperebele disciple. The disciple with a lot of Kiperebele, Kiperebele, front. Eh? Every question he was there, number one, answering and all that. Then one day Jesus asked him, who do people say I am? Who answered that question? Simon Peter. He said, oh yes. You are the son of God. Of course there is, some say you are Jeremiah, some say you are this, some say you are this. But who do you say I am? And then Simon Peter answered that question. Let me tell you that almost in the same chapter, then uh, Jesus started telling them how he is going to Jerusalem, and he will be betrayed, he will be hardened in the hand of sinners, and he will be killed. Then what does Peter do? Immediately he tells, he rebukes him. That can never be. Jesus looked at Simon Peter. He did not call him Simon Peter. Do you know what he called him? Get behind me, Satan. He was able to understand those thoughts. Those words actually do not come from Simon Peter. There are some things you say, and the ability to differentiate your thoughts and foreign thoughts is very important if you are going to have control of your mind. You need to know this is me, this is not me. Because many times the devil will put some thoughts in you that you think that actually they are thoughts. But let me tell you that they are foreign thoughts. Every temptation starts with our thoughts. Yes, allow yourself to say, garbage in, garbage out. Yes, you will always get what you feed your mind with because after all what we sow is what you do what? Is what we need. And that is why we need to be very careful about the images that we allow in our thoughts. It is the things that we allow in our thoughts that becomes part of us. First of all, the first thing you do is that you look at something and uh, there is a cognitive mind, you are able to understand it. But then there is something that is so powerful. It is called the subconscious. The what happens when you look at it repeatedly. Because when you look at something repeatedly, it gets deposited in your subconscious. And getting it out there is a problem. Can I tell you how the subconscious works? You go for a driving school, and you are given the car. And nowadays I know things are easier. When you are doing driving, you are driving with a manual car. You have to keep on checking where the gear is, where the brakes are. And I also know with automatic, many times when you are really driving, you have to keep on checking where the brakes and the, the well pedal are. But with the time, these things sink into your subconscious. You can actually drive without looking at what you are yourself in on. That, that is the power of the subconscious. It gets into you. When something gets into the subconscious, and especially if it is something wrong, it would take God to deliver you from that. Because it actually becomes almost part of you. And that is why we need to be very careful about the movies we watch, 
That is why pornography is very bad. Pornography can destroy you completely. And even when you get married, it can destroy your marriage life. Because what will you keep on playing in your mind are the pictures that you observed. And I have spoken to so many people who, whose marriage has been ruined by pornography. You thought it's okay, you're just entertaining yourself, but it is a stronghold that the devil uses. And that is why, just in case you find yourself addicted as much as possible, avoid. The worst part of it is when it gets to your subconscious. Because getting rid of it, you'll never be able to look at a person in the image of God. You'll always see in them a sexual object. And that is what pornography does. When you allow things to enter into your mind. Because eventually you will not be able to control them. That is why Jesus said, from the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Because now that subconscious actually now becomes part of your emotional being. It becomes like part of you. But when we feed our minds with the word of God, let me tell you that you, you, you reinforce your subconscious. It becomes part of you. When you are tempted, you will not ask, where is my Bible? You will not start asking, where, where is this verse? Because it has already become part of you. And that is the power of memorizing scriptures. It is always very good to memorize scriptures. Because what I have realized is that God will give you a scripture that is in line with what you are facing. And let me tell you that the only way God appears in our scripture it is through his word. Because we all know and the word became fresh and dwelt amongst us. The word of God. The scripture says that God has exalted his word above his name. And if you read in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, eh? the word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. When we feed our minds with the word of God, let me tell you that whatever happens, the first instance of what will happen is you'll, you'll find that, 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 that you speak the word of God. And I realize this because when you are growing up and you're in the face of danger, and I know this is what happens to many of us, even my children, I was talking with them the other day. When they feel threatened, the first thing they say, Mom! Actually, I don't know, in many cases, that is nowhere. Eh? Mom! And that is what happens. But let me tell you that the more you continue feeding the word of God, you realize that if I find a situation that is unpleasant, the first word that will come into my mind is, Thank you, Jesus. Eh? Because you realize that there is one stronger than your mom, stronger than your father, who is in control. It is all a question of what do you feed your mind with. The Bible is very deliberate about what we should think about. And I'm sure you have covered this scripture in the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verse 8 to 9. What does it say? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is light, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Tell your neighbor, think about such things. So at the given time, you need to be doing your own personal assessment. It's what I am thinking about noble. It's what I am thinking about praiseworthy. It's what I am thinking about light before God. Can it build me up? Because when you think about what is light, let me tell you, it sinks into your subconscious. And as people say, and allow me to say that this is true, what you think 
is what you become. If you're always thinking about yourself as a garbage, unfortunately, garbage in, garbage out. If you always think of yourself as a victim, you will live your life as a victim. I can assure you. Your predisposition, the way you look at things in life, you'll always see yourself as a victim. If you think yourself as, I can do it. I am able. I am more than a conqueror. Let me tell you that there is nothing that you'll be able to stand you. Because of the power of your thoughts. Think about something. It is very important. The thoughts we entertain show where our hearts are. And that is why Christ said in the book of Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 to 4. This is what the scripture says. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above not on other things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ with your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Paul is advising the Corinthians. You have already come from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Set your minds on things above. What is God speaking about you? What is God speaking about the situation you are in? What is God speaking about the temptation that you are facing? Set your minds on things above. In other words, you, your reference point should never be, and I'm not saying that it was useless, whatever you want in your biology class, your chemistry or your physics, or even mathematics, history, the culture of the agriculture and all that, that is not, should not be your reference point. Your reference point should be set your mind on the things above. What does the Bible say regarding this situation? What is God's will for me in this situation, in this circumstance? I know it is not easy, yes, but what is God's desire and will for me? We should occupy our minds with the word of God because in it we find so many promises and encouragements that are contained in it. Somehow, God will always be able to guide us even through the difficult phases of life. Let me go to the other point. And I know this one from what I have had in the introduction. This one you may have covered. But the greatest test many times we have to go through. And that is why we have so many young people, oh, they are committing suicide, and they are doing things that are, that are destroying their lives. The greatest test we face is the test of identity. And the greatest thing that identifies us is in our mind. Let me tell you, what, what is the second uh, greatest command? What does it say? Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus did not leave the second part. You can never give what you don't have. You can never get love out there if you have not appreciated yourself. Let me tell you, when you feel inferior and you're trying to look for love out there, what you get is misuse and abuse. You just find someone to abuse you. That's what I can assure you. The greatest form of acceptance that you will ever need in life is accepting yourself. That you're the best there is. And let me tell you that you are the best there is. There will never be in the history of time 
Nobody like you. Nobody with the characteristics like you. Even in your tweet, you are identically different. That one I can assure you. Praise the Lord. Your identity. You must learn to appreciate yourself. Every temptation that the devil will bring our way has something to do with our identity. Satan's occupation is to darken God and show us that he does not care or love us. Anything that God says about us, the devil will seek to oppose it or to negate it. Satan will wish to withdraw us to a lonely place where he can attack us with low esteem, depression, and the like. Because Satan's strategy is to always dispute what God has said about you. When God created the universe, at, at, after the end of every day, what was he saying? And the Lord said that it was good. And the Lord said that she was good. What about after creating man? What was the finishing statement? And the Lord said that it was very good. You're not just good. You are very good. Let me tell you. Some of you have been asking, what is God saying about me? He has already said, you are very good. Any God you entertain to the contrary, that is not from God. And that is not from you. If there are some books that are telling you you are not good enough, you must do something to prove yourself a man. Because you are not man enough. Eh? You are not a woman enough. Such books, I am here to tell you by the authority of the word of God, that they are not from God. Because God's testimony about you is that you are very good. And that has not changed. And there is nowhere you find in the scripture that changing. But what does the devil do? Immediately, uh, immediately God instructs Adam and Eve. Satan seeks to negate what God said about, about them. Immediately, and we only can we remember the baptism of Jesus Christ when he was being baptized? Yeah, what happened? I want us to talk because I don't want some of us to do. Uh, what happened when he was being baptized? The Holy Spirit came in the form of a? Yeah. Of a dove, yes. And then what has happened? There was a voice. What did the voice say? This is my beloved son, in whom I am well preached. That was God's testimony. After that, what other voice followed? What other voice followed? There are voices that followed because if you read that scripture immediately, Jesus was taken by the Holy Spirit to the wilderness to be tempted. And what was the first word? In me you are the Son of God. The first thing that anyone will do is to dispute what God has said about you. This is my beloved Son in the home I am well pleased. If you really are the Son of God, He is casting doubt to what God has already said about you. If there is something negative you have been thinking about yourself, that is not of you. Those thoughts are not yours. I, I am here to tell you that. Those thoughts are not yours. If you think that you are not attractive enough, you are not well enough, you are not competitive enough, you have challenges, God has not like you, I can assure you those thoughts are not yours. Those thoughts are from the enemy. Because the first thing that the devil will do 
is to dispute God's identity about you. In the battle now, the battlefield of the mind, it is very important for you to recognize what is God's voice and what is the enemy's voice. In the thoughts that bring down your self-esteem, making you despise yourself, despise your background, or feel bad about yourself, that is not of God. Even in the area of sin, God never condemns. Condemnation is not of God. They're just feeling that you are never good enough. This salvation was never meant for you. I can assure you, those thoughts those thoughts are not yours. God does not condemn. The Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do? He convicts. There is a difference between conviction and condemnation. Conviction shows you that it is not over. There is a way out for you. There is hope for you. But condemnation puts you into a chain. There is no way out. There is no way out. And let me tell you that there is no depth of sin we can seek into where God's mercy cannot find us. There is no depth that we can seek into where God's mercy will not find us. God has no light off. And the scripture says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God has no light off. Yes. So Satan will almost win every battle if he makes you doubt your identity in God. You are not beautiful enough. The scripture says we are praying one afraid. You are not rich enough to do to do what you want. Your education level is not good enough. What did Jesus say? A man's life is not contained in the abundance of his possessions. It is not a question of what you have. Let me tell you something about the temptations. All temptations actually have the same thing. They want you to deny your identity. What was the first temptation of Jesus? If you really are the Son of God, turn these thoughts into flesh. In other words, are you able to do that? Your capability, what are you able to do? Do something, do something so that you can believe. Turn. It is not a question of what you are able to do or not. It is not a question of whether you are sharp in mathematics or not. You are identically secure in God. Yes. You are not a captain because you don't excel in some subjects and you fail in others. The fact that you got a B or a C or a B does not make you a loser or a failure in life. Your identity is already secure in heaven. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. What it Amen. So you don't need to feel bad about yourself. God and not you are academic excellence or your achievements determines whom you are and determines your destiny. So let me not ask. Thank you. Yes, you are not gifted enough. Your family background has not allowed you. Let me tell you that if you doubt God's one concerning you, that is the first step towards hallucinating life. That one I can assure you. If you doubt what God is saying about you, God cannot help you. So what? I have said that I have created you in my image. You are doubting that. Let me tell you, and that is what the enemy will want to do, to rob you of your identity. You are not yourself because of what you have. The first temptation of Jesus was, do this. It's not a question of what you can do or what you are not able to do. The other temptation was about what? Eh? Drop yourself. And then people will see. 
You know, there are some of us who think we are not popular, and especially those of us uh, who are in social media, when you don't have a lot of following, and you think that those guys who have massive followings are popular and all that, it is vanity. It is not a question of who likes you or does not like you. Your identity in God is secure. Praise the Lord. It, it is not a question of who you are pleasing or you are not pleasing. God has secured your identity and your destiny. Amen? Amen. 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 And everyone was okay, worship me and I will give you all this. It is not a question of your possessions. It doesn't matter whether you stay in Bodega or Kariyoko or Kyopera. Let me tell you, God has already secured your what? Your identity. Your identity is saving God. Never despise yourself because you are not living in those posh houses. God has secured you. And Jesus was able to defeat the enemy using the word of God. It was not a question of what he had deposited in his unconscious. The word of God that was in him, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God alone. And he alone shall you? So it's a question of, it is not what you have or what you don't have. It is not who is following you, who is not following you. It is not a question of what people are saying about you. It is a question of what God is saying about you. Yes, let me also say that it is depositing the word of God in us because the word of God has a lot of encouragements to give us and especially when we are going through difficult times. I like telling people that there is no night that is so dark that God does not provide a star to guide you. First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says that no temptation has overtaken you Eh? Apart from that which, which is common to men, to men. And God is faithful. He will never allow you to be tempted beyond the level that you can be able to bear. Why are you getting depressed? Why are you getting so discouraged? What would drive a young person to want to take away their life? Let me tell you that even if someone should reach that at such a point, the scripture says it certainly that there is no way God can allow you to be tempted beyond a measure that you can bear. It is not so dark. If you are careful enough, you will observe and see that there are some stars that God provides. You will see something positive. You know there are people who always see negatives in their situation. The other day we were having prayers with my prayer partner. I have a prayer partner we have prayed over 10 years. And uh, we were praying. They say no, even before we pray. Why don't we start by counting the stars in our night? The things that you can thank God for. Let me tell you that the moment you start looking at how blessed you are, the fact that God is on your side, the fact that you are not just like any other person, to God you are not a statistic. You know there was a guy called Abraham who just saw himself as one, a statistic. But when God looked at Abraham, he saw a nation. Maybe you may look at yourself today and wonder, what shall I become? What shall become of my life? There is no hope. There is no job. Especially when you look at your senior brothers and sisters that are tamaki. Let me tell you that to God, you are not a statistic. You are a nation. Praise the Lord. God is seeing greatness in you. Don't judge yourself based on your current situation. I like telling people, don't put a cover, a stop, where God has just put a high end or a cover. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Just look at me. If we are together, if we are together, preach. 
Amen. Thank you. God bless you. When the devil corners you in low self-esteem and depression, it is always very important to remember what God says about you. There is a story of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet to Israel during one of their most difficult times. And Jeremiah, he is a prophet actually who never married. When he wanted to marry, God told him, he shall never marry eh, amongst these people. God was telling him, because I, I would never want you to see your children die eh, all taken to captivity. And when he saw the destruction of Jerusalem, when he saw how people were killed, eh, how mothers were killed, you know, how the elderly were killed and how people were carried away, the young people who were promising were carried away to captivity. He wrote the book of Lamentation that we like reading about. And during his most depressed moment, if you read the book of Lamentation chapter 3, let me read from verse 18 what Jeremiah says. This is what the scripture says. I have been deprived of peace. Maybe that describes some of us. I have forgotten what prosperity is all about. So I say, my splendor is gone, and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the God. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. But I like verse 24. Yet this, well, verse 23 and 24. Yet this I call to mind. Jeremiah had deposited something in his mind. Jeremiah had walked with God and he knew his identity with God. Yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. And so I said to myself, the Lord is my portion, therefore I will wait for him. What do you remember during your own moments? Do you just remember how unimportant you are? Do you just remember how your parents don't love you? Are you the black sheep in your family? Everybody like avoids you, they are talking about you. Is that the gospel that the enemy is preaching to you? Is that the message that the devil is telling you? Why don't you bring yourself back to life? Jeremiah could have been depressed, but the Bible says that even at the verge of defeat and despair and depression, he remembered something, that God is faithful. Praise the Lord. God is faithful. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. God will not finish us completely. I may be proud, but I am not out. Praise the Lord. The situation may be a setback, yes. But I will remember in my mind what God says about me. What situation are you going through? And the devil is just preaching to you about defeat, depression, and death. There is a God who restores. There is a God who leaves the darkness. Jeremiah, remember him. You can remember him. Let me tell you, there can be a turnaround. Praise the Lord. And the same thing happened to the prodigal son. You remember the story of the prodigal son? Maybe you are a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter today. You are far away from God and you look at your life and you wonder, will my life amount to anything? That guy was eating with the kids. But what does the Bible say? Then he came to himself and he remembered. What do you remember? 
your vines. Who do you remember? Your vine. He remembers. Oh, in my father's house, there's so many servants. They are well fed. They are not eating with the pigs like me. I will go back. What can you remember? What attribute of God can you remember? During your difficult moment, during your down moment, that can cause you to go back. You don't have to die with the pigs as much as you are eating with them. You don't have to die of despair and depression. You can go back because there is something God has given you about His character that you can trust today. What darkness are you in? And there is something about God's character that you can call to mind. What star of God's faithfulness has He provided in your darkness? Something else I like advising people, and especially if you feel down, if you feel you're losing the battle of the, of the mind, if you're feeling everything is working against you, and this has always worked, and I would also wish you to try to do it. When you feel like you are so down, and there is nothing that is working for you, and your mind is telling you how vulnerable you are, look for someone that you can encourage. It always works. That one I can assure you. Do you remember Joseph? I know the story of Joseph is almost repeatedly spoken in every way we come. Do you remember the story of Joseph? He was down. He was in jail. I don't want to talk about the Potiphar's part. I know some of you heard that's what I will talk about. He was in jail. He was there. But what happened? He would have been depressed about his situation or his circumstances. But you know something about Joseph? He looked for somebody who was down. Do you know what? He saw two guys who are depressed by a dream and he chose to encourage them. Let me tell you that a problem shared is a problem. Have thoughts. Don't die with your problem. Look for someone you can be able to share with. And actually the best sharing, because when you share with someone else who will love at you, you will get more depressed. But if you look for someone who is going to almost a similar situation and seek to encourage them, let me tell you that there is a way that encouragement bounces you. When you feel like you are losing the battle of your mind, you don't know what to do. There is no way out. Look for someone to encourage. I like to say that there is no ministry to a discouraged person like the ministry he gives to those who are discouraged. Look for someone else who is down. Talk to them. And let me tell you, God will come through for you. Can I actually tell you that many times when you are down, when you are losing it, it is when you have no money, that God will send people with no money to you. But that's another to go over. I realize that is what happens. When David was so depressed that he was running away from King Saul, who wanted to kill him, what did he go to do? He took to him 600 men who were in problems, who were in worse problems than him, so that he could encourage him. That is what the Bible says. Many times when you are down and you think that it is worse for you, God will bring people whose situation is actually worse than yours. And your own is to encourage them. It is inside them, it is in encouragement that God will encourage you. That is one way to win the battle down of the mind. Yes, take comfort in God's first victories. As we go through life, difficult times will always come. Actually, it was Jesus who gave that promise. He told his disciples. Uh, you know, he looked at them and told them, guys, <laughs> I have to give you one truth. That you will always have problems, you will always have trouble, but you will share. 
because I have overcome the world. When a problem comes, it's impossible for you to remember how God fought for you. If you are battling your high school problems, can you remember how God's faithfulness stood for you in your primary school? If you are facing Korea, is it possible for you to remember how God helped you when you face the lion and you face the what? And you face the bear. Remember God's past victories and the faithfulness that He has given you in life. And let me tell you, you almost pull out of any problem that the enemy brings your way. Any battle that you face in your mind, when you remember what God has done for you, most likely I can assure you that you pull through. Remember. God's past victories. Yes, keep hope alive despite evidence to the contrary. I'm just about to finish. So you can lend me your ears. Keep hope alive despite evidence to the contrary. Things may not be going the way, the way you like. Many times, actually, we might say that it is always stuck up before, before dawn. It is always stuck up before. Before dawn. So when things look so so tough, don't preach on yourself. Don't call it quit. When the enemy is speaking to your mind that give up, there is time to surrender. You cannot make it. When you are just about to make a defeatist decision, keep hope alive. What does the Bible say that these three remains? What are the three that remains? Can someone tell me the three things that remain? Hope, faith, and love. Of course, the greatest of them is love. Irrespective of what you go through, keep hope alive. Hope is the assurance that things will turn for the best. It doesn't matter how long it takes, God will come to for me. It is okay, I don't have a child at 75, but I am not going to give up because God is still able to remember me even when I am 100 years. No matter what happens, even if you are deteriorating with age, Keep your hope alive. Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 Yes, I think uh, my second last point is lean on God's promises. The Bible has so many promises. It is you studying the word of God and depositing those promises in you that will keep you going. Remember God's promises. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That is a powerful promise. There are so many promises that are contained in the word of God. Irrespective of whatever battle you are fighting in your mind, whatever God the enemy is depositing in you, regarding your identity, remember God's promises. Remember what God has spoken about? About you. Remember what God has spoken about you and about where he is taking you. And of course, my last point is, appreciate God's no. I think one of the things that is very difficult for us as believers to comprehend is when God says no. There's so many things we think are good. And unfortunately, many times God will put a no to them. Remember when I, when I was doing my masters, there was one of my classmates and uh, she was a lady, a mother in the family. And she was telling me how she was in love when she was in the university. And then there was this guy who really hurt her so much because the guy decided to dump her for another lady. 
it was very difficult for this lady to bear that she decided actually to take her own life. And she actually took a rope, went somewhere in a bush, took and plant herself. She had given up on life. But we thank God because God gives us a second chance. When she was there, actually did it. I thought to her there was somebody, somebody who was grazing nearby and was watching her. Immediately she released the rope. The guy ran and was able to cut the rope with the nick of time and said that. Now she was telling me, I look behind and I see what God was saving me from because the man that this lady wanted to kill herself because of, by that time we were discussing, he was in committed prison because of drug-related charges. He had never had a family or anything else. Let me tell you that when God says no to a situation, even if you strongly feel this is what I want, there is always a reason behind every no that God says, that, 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 that God brings you. Are we together? When God says no, appreciate God's no for you. Don't insist on your way. What does the scripture say in the book of Isaiah chapter 46? That God sees the end from the beginning. He can see the end from the beginning. And he tells you that irrespective of how much you want that situation to be positive in your life, if God tells you no, he's like a loving father telling you, I am taking this away because I have something so perfect. The mind is a battleground. It is all a question. The person who wins is the person you allow. You can either choose to believe what the word of God says about you. You can either choose to believe the lies that the enemy is depositing in your mind regarding your identity. Let me tell you that the scripture says God's word is established in the heavens. Whatever God has said about you, it is not changed. And it will never change. As much as the enemy will try to darken it, you can hang on God's faithfulness and God's word for your life. And let me tell you, like a, sh a, like a shining star in a dark night, it will faithfully take you home. No matter what you go through, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through Christ who loves us. God bless you so much. Meet brother Charles. Yeah, thank you very much. Oh my God. Aww.